When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm so thankful for this organization and uh, the people that um, and the coaching staff up to the front office. Um, and like I've touched on, this is uh, an organization that I want to be a part of for a long time. But to have those people, the people I have a lot of respect for, um, be able to you know, show me that uh, you know that they want me to be here and that this was a priority for them. That's a, it, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for that, and um, you know I don't take that lightly. It's good to be Cooper Cup these days in a lot of ways. We have more on his massive deal that was signed just yesterday for a guy who basically set like a million records last year and had one of the best seasons we've ever seen. Hello, welcome to NFL Live right here. Kimberly A. Martin, great to have you in the house. We also have Ryan Clark and Lewis Riddick. You see them up there on that big screen. And I am Field Yates. And training camp, not quite here yet, Kimberly, but we're getting closer. So let's take a look around the league at some of the top stories around OTAs and mini camps. And let's start in Los Angeles on that new Cooper Cup deal. Oh, Field, it's good to be Cooper Cup. Like you said, he agreed to a three-year extension with that included $75 million. And I checked in with the Rams this morning. And pretty much this came together similar to the Aaron Donald deal. Came, to, came together very quickly. Both sides wanted to get this done. He's a guy that they love, team first. Why wouldn't you want to reward him a little bit, which they did. Now, Aaron Rodgers, brace yourselves, guys. This is the last time we're going to see and hear from Aaron Rodgers for a while, and he has become part of our daily conversations here on NFL Live. But, you know, this is a team that has a lot of questions, especially this offense and this wide receiver group. They need some time to gel, and it's going to be so exciting to see how similar this offense looks to last year come training camp. And Brady, another QB who, who's got, you know, he's focused on winning another Super Bowl, but he's like us. He's wondering when Gronk will come back. Brady said today, listen, uh, we, I'm not putting any pressure on him. He's got to figure things out. Obviously, Brady took his little retirement stint, 40 days. So he wants to see Gronk back, but he won't put any pressure on his tight end. I think we decided it's called retire Lent. Retire Lent. 40 retire days Lent. like Lent. Yes. Retire yes. Lent. Yes. You mentioned the Bucks, by the way. <laughs> RC, I, like I got to laugh out of you. All right, I'm feeling good about myself. <laughs> hey, the Bucks like are powering. It. Yeah, I, I, Listen, the jokes are normally coming from that side of the room. We'll get to there in just a minute. As the Bucks are powering through that mandatory minicamp that Kimberly was just referencing, it was a weird offseason. All kinds of changes, including Tom Brady's retirement and then unretirement. But two of the main contributors that are part of that change, Brady returning, and then the new head coach, Todd Bowles, they both addressed the media earlier on today. I've always loved Todd as a coach, even when he was coaching against me. I always had a lot of respect for him because every game we played against them, you know, we had to go earn it. He's very detailed, um, really tough, hard-nosed coach. I mean, a little bit of a throwback. There's been a lot of competition, you know, throughout OTAs and through training camp, and I think Todd's done a great job with that over the years. Well, I think if you ask him, the best thing he can do to have a better season than last year is win the Super Bowl. I don't think the stats matter as much to him as winning. As he'll tell you, he needs to work at everything constantly because this game catches up to you if you don't constantly work at things. Well, the Bucks better be ready because how's this for the start of their season? Their first four games include the Cowboys, Saints, 
Packers and Chiefs. You see those right there, two of those games on the road to begin the season. They actually have the hardest strength of schedule of any team from weeks one through four based on their opponent's winning percentage last year. I get it. Some people don't like to look backwards, but all four of those teams look legit on paper. So, Lewis, uh, it's the Bucks. It's Tom Brady. You don't generally get nervous surrounding them, but as you look at that tough stretch, how important is a hot start for them? I think a successful start, let's just put it that way, something that, that's really important to them, just as it's important to any football team, simply because you only play 17 of them now. You used to play 16. You play 17 of them now, so you don't have any games to give away, especially when there's only one bye at the end of the year, and I'm sure every team, including Tampa Bay, would like to have that one singular bye. Now, also, I think, look, there's a psychological component to it for the Buccaneers this year in particular. Okay, for as great as Tom has been, and Tom is playing at his at the height of his powers, at the height of his ability last year in 2021 when they lost to the L.A. Rams, there's no assurance that every year at this point in his career he's just going to pick up where he left off. So if he comes out at the beginning of the year and he's faltering, let's just say his footwork gets even slower, his accuracy starts to suffer. That would be something that could have a trickle-down effect on this football team because of the fact that, one, even though Bruce Arians – is not the head coach and they have a lot of continuity, there would naturally be some questions as to the state of the transition from Bruce to Todd. And who knows if people would then start looking around going, hey, wait a minute, is there something missing here? Is something off here? So I think from a confidence standpoint, from a psychological standpoint, it's important to come out of the gates against those four teams, which all of them are going to be right there at the very end, and at least be 500, at least. You don't want to come out of that 0-4 one and four, because I think that would just lead to questions. Although, look, there would be time to catch up. I don't think that's how you want to start the season. Yeah, you know, I think there's a difference between getting off to a great start and a very good start and not doing that and having a trash start. You know, when Lewis says that they come out of that thing 500, I think that is important, but it's also important as how this team is playing, what chemistry this team, the 2022 edition of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, what are they building towards? We all know that Tom Brady doesn't have to be the best week one, week two, week three, but we've seen him be the best in week 21 for seven years and I think that's all Tom Brady will be focused on and I'm different than Lou and maybe it's because I've been burned by Tom Brady too much Tom Brady is going to have to unequivocally show me that he can't play before I believe it I'm not betting against him and so if Tom Brady does have a smart a, a, a tough start you know what I'm gonna say week one hell he'll be better week two and maybe week two ain't good he gonna be better week three and I might be saying this for 18 weeks including the bye but it's gonna take Tom Tom Brady to retire for me to count him out of the championship race. And I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have that confidence in him as well. It's going to be about gelling, becoming Todd Bowles' team. And once they do that, I think there will be a scary team to play down the stretch. RC, I agree with everything except for one point. After this offseason, it would take more than Tom Brady retire for me to count him out because I don't even know if he's actually retired if he says <laughs> he is retired. Uh, Kimberly, I think it's good to Absolutely. be in the business of fearing the Buccaneers. Right. But we talk to people around the league. Do you feel as though other teams still do fear the Bucks as currently constituted. So nobody's crowning the Bucks, okay. right? And I think that's a good thing. They shouldn't be because last time I checked, the Rams won the Super Bowl, so they should be the team that everybody's looking mm -hmm. at. But why did we get all excited when Tom Brady came back? Because he's Tom Brady. Mm. 
And that completely changes the dynamics mm -hmm. of this football team and what this offense can be. But with Brady's retirement hesitation, with Todd Bowles, a guy I covered in New York with the Jets, this is his second stint as a full-time head coach. There are going to be a lot of questions, a lot of people looking at him, as Ryan mentioned, if he's a – has he learned anything from the old job? Did he get any better as a head coach? And then Byron Leftwich. A lot of questions about who's running this offense. Is it Tom? Is it Byron? And so there's a lot of questions with this team, but opportunities for them to show people, hey, we actually are a favorite to win the Super Bowl. I know the Saints are going to be a factor in this NFC South, but one thing that they do have going for them, the Buccaneers, is the NFC is not the AFC. The AFC oh. is loaded. Yeah. It's like the SEC West. The mm -hmm. NFC is not quite the SEC West. I'm not sure who Alabama is, so don't even bother asking me. <laughs> All right, we're just getting started here on NFL Live. And from one former Patriots quarterback to another former Patriots quarterback in Cam Newton, he is calling Mac Jones a top 20 quarterback in the NFL. But is that enough to lead the Patriots back to the postseason? One of our analysts is worried about his situation. NFL Live. Receivers, they got the bag. All of them did. Pretty much every single one of them. NFL Live is brought to you by the Lexus ES, a direct reflection of you and Miller Lite. Taste you can depend on. What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. They have over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com tackle. Get 60% off at babbel.com tackle. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. UFC 275, Saturday night from Singapore. It's another stacked card with Glover Teixeira and Valentina Shevchenko defending their belts. Plus, the much-anticipated rematch between Zhang Wei Li and Ioana Yimje Chuck. The prelims are on ESPN2, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN Plus starting at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, followed by the main card on pay-per-view. To order in English and Spanish, go to ESPNPlus.com slash PPV. So the Patriots and Mac Jones concluded their final day of work of the offseason earlier today as that second-year quarterback who was awesome last year looks to build off of that rookie campaign. That season actually began alongside Cam Newton, who had been re-signed to a one-year deal and later cut. He offered his thoughts on Mac on the pivot 
the great podcast that RC is one of the hosts. I was with Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. Mac Jones is going to be a great quarterback. I'll put Mac Jones at that 20-ish threshold. He a young gun, right? And obviously with the guys that they're going to build around him from the defensive, special teams, offensive side, he's, going to be, he's not the guy that I'm talking about. Mac was on fire last year. He not only helped the Patriots reach the playoffs, they won 10 games. He also ranked top 10 all-time amongst rookie quarterbacks in completion percentage, passing yards, and touchdown passes. Dak Prescott remains the only rookie to post a higher completion percentage than Jones in NFL history. RC, I'll start with you. Of course, you were part of that conversation with Cam. Do you think Mac will be good enough this year to get the Patriots back to the playoffs? You know, I think Matt can make a push, but we got to look at the entire AFC and think about some of the quarterbacks, even the young ones that you're facing and trying to get to the playoffs or trying to advance in the playoffs and also their situations. Matt Jones, you go out and you add Devontae Parker. Is he enough on the outside to win one-on-ones where he can push the ball down the field and make explosive plays? When you think about his coaching situation, who is the seasoned offensive mind that's going to be the play caller, that's going to do everything they can schematically throughout the season to set him up to win and who is developing him in the offseason when you look at Mac Jones he showed right away that he was ready to play in the NFL but his ceiling has always been a question in order to get to that ceiling or even exceed it you need the right pieces around you and I just don't know if offensively the New England Patriots have done that we saw him in week four and he was the same quarterback in week 17 as he was then that's not the progression that you want And so if he hasn't upped his game because you haven't done enough for him, as in the New England Patriots, that's on you. And Mac Jones will not be leading this team to the playoffs. So I'm trying not to hit the panic button with the Patriots. Do I love that Josh McDaniels is now in Vegas and now Mac Jones has has Joe Judge and and, and, uh, Matt Patricia? Patricia? I mean, come on. No, I don't love it. But what I, what, I, what I will focus on is the fact that Belichick hopefully knows a little bit more than me. So if he is putting this kid in this position, it's got to be he understands that he is pro-ready, that he has the tools, that he has the football acumen, that he's composed in the pocket. But what I do like about Mac Jones, seeing more confidence. Mm. It sounds silly, but I was at the Pro Bowl where he hit the gritty and he's showing that little swag and he's having more fun. And that to me, it's silly, right? It sounds silly, but, but, it's, but here's the thing. It's he, he feels more comfortable in his, in his skin, in the NFL, in this offense. And that's, what, that's the first step. You at least want to see this kid feel good in where he is, in his position. Hopefully this season will be a little bit better. Yeah, I'm bullish here on Mac Jones. Really sharp last year. A lot of confidence there internally. And you know who else is bullish on him? His pseudo center. As check this out recently as Mac Jones got a little bit of help from Bill Belichick with some shotgun snaps. Earlier this week during (laughs) minicamp, Jones offered his assessment on Belichick's new duties as scout team center. You know, he's very hands-on and I feel like we've made a lot of growth together, you know, as an offensive unit with him and then obviously personally with him and as a quarterback group. So we're all on the same page. And like I said, he's seen the most amount of football, you know, of any of our coaches. And, you know, he's seen defense, offense, and special teams. So having his input is always, you know, going to be very beneficial to me because he knows what puts stress on the defense. All right, no offensive coordinator still, Lewis. How do you read the situation in New England right now? 
Look, I, I think it's TBD for me, man. I, I, I'm not quite sure. And for the first time, I think, since Bill has been there, at least, at least in, let's just say, in the past five to ten years, I just don't quite know what this really means for this football team going forward, especially when you're talking about the construction of the coaching staff and then how that relates specifically to Matt Jones' progress here in his second season. If Josh McDaniels was, was there, I would be extremely bullish simply because of the fact that there's going to be continuity in terms of the voice that's in his ear. I would really have some confidence in the fact that Devontae Parker would be utilized to his fullest, that Tyquan Thornton, their second round pick, would be utilized to his fullest, that this passing game would start to spread out and be a little bit more vertical and really, you know, challenge people's ability to cover every blade of grass both horizontally and vertically. I just don't know what that's going to look like conceptually with Joe Judge calling the plays, Matt Patricia calling the plays, how it's going to affect, you know, Mac Jones's confidence from down to down, from situation to situation. And until I see that and get a better feel for it, Look, I, I really have more questions than I have answers to present here as far as what New England's going to look like. So I think we need to really evaluate Mac in that context as the year is going on. Yeah, we have not a whole lot to talk about over the next six weeks before training camp. But we'll find a way to keep trying to dig on who the Patriots' play caller will be this offseason. Excuse me, this season, <laughs> I should say, because a lot of us are very curious. Let's move forward from Mac Jones to some other second-year quarterbacks as we dive into quick reads. And we start with you, Lewis, and Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. Yeah, look, I expect this young man to flip everything around in a positive way, namely that touchdown-interception ratio from his rookie season where he threw 12 touchdowns and 17 picks. I expect that to be flipped under the tutelage of Doug Peterson. I expect his completion percentage to be over 60% and not just barely you know, below 60% like it was. I expect his YPA to get up over 6.5, 7 yards per attempt because, one, he's got great coaching this year, two, he's got better players, and three, it's just a better overall culture in Jacksonville. Zach Wilson, he needs to be decisive. He cannot turn the ball over. He has to show command of the offense. He's done all the offseason work. Losing, losing, putting on weight, cutting out the sweets, unlike me. But this is a kid <laughs> who has, he's got a team that's bolstered on defense and offense. He just needs to be the leader. And listen, if you look at Justin Fields and what he has coming up for him in Chicago, it's going to be on Matt Eberflus and Lou Getze to get him focused, to get him to be able to process in the pocket, to know right away where to go with the football. And if he doesn't, use some of those great skills where he can run, get his legs moving, and get outside to the pocket and create first downs. We know that Justin Fields is an elite talent, but it's going to take his mind to catch up with everything he needs to know about the game in order for that talent to shine through on Sundays. Well, I don't have any football thoughts on Justin Fields right now because I'm too focused in on his baseball swing. As man, the Bears, did you see it? Yeah, man. He was at Wrigley Field earlier today with his teammates, got into the cage, bombs, hitting bombs. Hey, uh, Justin Fields, for the next five weeks, are you available for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim? They have lost 14 straight games. <laughs> Mike Trout it. is currently <laughs> hurt. Get out to L.A. and play yourself some baseball because they can't get any worse than things are right now. Can't wait to see that guy back on the football field, but a nice swing in the meantime. All right, coming up on NFL Live, still plenty more ahead. You know, wide receivers have changed the market this offseason, and Rams wideout Cooper Cup signed a new deal worth $80 million. RC will tell us why he thinks this could be commonplace in the NFL for years to come.
throws it in at the 15. It's Cooper Cup. Do I bet? Let's go. This is to win the Super Bowl. Let's go. Cooper Cup in the end zone. Stafford sees him. Touchdown, Cup. The Rams have taken the lead. I love you, man. Whatever the happens, I love you. This is uh, an organization that I want to be a part of for a long time. I, I love being able to play this game. Coming off a year in which he led the NFL in receptions, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, and was named Super Bowl MVP, there was little doubt that Cooper Cup had earned himself a massive new deal. That deal came to life on Wednesday in the form of a three-year, $80 million extension with $75 million guaranteed. Here's Cup with more on his new deal. One, I thought it was just going to be okay. It was kind of a cool thing. Um, and certainly he's he's one of those people that's had a hand in, in being able to be in this place and have the opportunity to – you know, extend my career here in Los Angeles. Your quarterback plays a huge role in that. So, um, you know, a little bit of a, a nod to Matthew Stafford um, in that way. One, I thought it was just going to be okay. It was kind of a cool thing. Um, and certainly he's he's one of those people that's had a hand in, in being able to be in this place and have the opportunity to, you know, extend my career here in Los Angeles. Your quarterback plays a huge role in that. So, um, you know, a little bit of a, a nod to Matthew Stafford um, in that way. All right, so, Lewis, the Rams have been really busy. Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford, amongst those players, already got extensions. But how important was this signing specifically for L.A.? Look, I, I think it's on par with the importance that re-signing Aaron Donald had. Look, I, I think Cooper Cup is, one of the, is without a doubt on offense, he's the guy that makes it all go. Now, obviously, quarterbacks are the guys who are the focal point for just about for every franchise, but Cooper Cup makes it go. And if you ask Sean McVay, they can't do what they do. They can't have the success that they have philosophically without Cooper Cup. Why? Because in the run game, he's the guy who makes it all go with his blocking on the edge. When they're in 11 personnel, it's like they can turn it into an, they can turn him into another tight end, and he can secure the edge better than most tight ends in the NFL. And then when they're throwing the football, look, it speaks for itself in terms of the volume that this guy gets every game. 14 of 17 games last year, he has double-digit targets. In the three games that he didn't have double-digit targets, two out of three of those games, he still won over 100 yards. One game, seven targets, seven receptions, over 100 yards. So he produces in the passing game. Everyone knows they're going to him, and they still don't stop him. And in the run game... He's the guy who's the X factor as far as securing the edge on that outside zone dominated run scheme. So I'll tell you this too. This is the last thing I'll say. There's nobody in my 30 years in the NFL other than Aaron Donald, who's on the same team yeah. as him, who is more respected coaches, front office, and players as much as Cooper Cup is respected out there. That's the kind of guy that gets $75 million fully guaranteed. Simple as that. Well, the first thing I want to say is this. Whoever is managing the cap for the Los Angeles Rams, <laughs> can you please come do my taxes? I would truly appreciate if you could work the numbers for my taxes the way that you work the numbers for the salary cap. That is first and foremost. Secondly, I love what the Rams are doing. The Rams are about producing for us. They're about the right now model. If, you, if you're Jalen Ramsey and we get you from Jayville, you ball out, you get paid. If you're Aaron Donald and we draft you and you outplay even where we drafted you are you at you get paid cooper cup you outplay your contract you get paid i love what they do whether you are homegrown or you are acquired if you do what you need to do positionally for the rams you get that bag and when cooper cup did last year was absolutely phenomenal every 
every week he went out and the dude standing across from him got cooked and he got cooked and you could count on him and now he's being rewarded for that. Uh, RC, just by the way, to answer your question about who does the Rams salary cap, it's Tony Pastors. Played football at Dartmouth. He's really, really smart and really, really good at his, at his job. Can we get his contact info to RC, please? please uh, did you file an extension? Please, thank you so much. If you got an extension, you're in business because I think you have until mid-July to get those taxes actually done. Uh, Kimberly, I think everybody is now wondering what's next for the Rams because they always have something up their sleeve. What does this Cooper Cup extension mean for OBJ? Okay, so, Phil, the Rams are folks on right now, but Odell... Not yet. They understand that he is one of the most dynamic weapons still in the NFL, but he's not healthy. The Rams see it as when he gets healthy, they will have healthy competition Mm. to sign him because he's a free agent. But here's what the Rams are hoping. They say, hey, Odell, it's L.A. You love L.A. We had some good times. We did some good things. We won a Super Bowl. Why don't we (laughs) run this back? Why don't you come back, join Cooper, join Aaron Donald. Everybody's living it up in L.A. where you love the sunshine. So that's what they're hoping when he gets healthy, that they have the inside track to re-sign him. Okay, we'll see. I mean, at this point, I wouldn't put anything past the Rams to get anything done. For all I know, they could find a way to trade for Tom Brady. What's money? I'm not saying they'd actually do that. I'm just saying, (laughs) if anybody could find a way, it would be the Rams. It's the Rams. Yeah, let's pivot from the Rams to the wide receiver market in general. As Cooper Cup, $75 million guaranteed, (laughs) was the most of any wide receiver in the NFL, and what an offseason it's been for pass catchers. So last month, A.J. Brown gets four years, 100 mil from the Eagles after being traded from Tennessee. Prior to that, it was Stephon Diggs who re-upped with the Bills, signing a four-year deal that included $70 million guaranteed. Back all the way in March, Tyreek Hill got four years and a whopping $120 million extension from Miami. And just prior to that, it was Devontae Adams who got five years, $140 million, and that was after he got traded from Green Bay to Las Vegas. I thought Adam Schefter's phone had been hacked because I didn't believe it actually happened. RC, they all have huge bags right now. Who has the most to prove out of these pass catchers? Hmm. You know what? I don't think any of these dudes have anything to prove. If Tyreek Hill doesn't ball in Miami, are we blaming it on him? Devontae Adams doesn't ball in Las Vegas, are we blaming it on him? We will find other excuses for these men because we've seen them perform over time. Here's what they do have to prove, though, Field, that the money they've gotten is worth it, that you can win a, win a um, championship, that you can be a team that consistently competes and, play, and pay your wide receiver this sort of money. They are fighting for the entire receiver group in the league not just themselves. They got their bag. They earned it. Now they have to make sure everybody around them can keep getting the same thing. Yeah, Ryan. Look, I think wide receiver salaries are here to stay, and they're just going to go up simply because that's just the way the Mm. game is, right? Every offense is trying to really stress defenses, make them defend every blade of grass, both horizontally and vertically. At these teams in particular, Miami, the Raiders, and Philadelphia, if those receivers that they sign do not produce – it's going to be the quarterbacks whose New York, whose rear end is going to be on the line. That's <laughs> yeah. who they will be looking to yeah. replace. They will say, hey, look, these guys proved that their former stops, that these guys are absolute game breakers. And the, and the game is going that way. If you can't get it to them, we'll get somebody who can get it to them. Mm. Because you ain't running down there you know, producing mm. no plus 20-yard plays. You're not going to run the routes. You can't throw it to yourself. So we'll find somebody else. Because these guys have proven they're at the top of their mm. game. Devontae Adams, I mean, come on now. He don't need to prove nothing to nobody. But he's with yeah. his boy out there in Vegas. So I believe he'll produce. Tua, <laughs> you're on the hot seat. I love right. you, but you're on the hot seat, bro. And that's just the way it's going to be. And I'll tell you this, Jalen Hurts, you're on the hot seat too. Because those two teams, Miami and Philly, yeah. I promise you, they're set up right now 
to go ahead and get somebody else if you're not the one. Yeah, not and they've got the they've got the players yep. now on the perimeter. Yeah. Let's see what happens, man. Not for nothing, Lewis, but both of those teams, Philly and Miami, have two first-round picks next year. Hmm. The clock <laughs> is ticking. We're not done here on NFL Live. His Giants running back Saquon Barkley feels like he's getting his swagger back heading into the season. But will they have a bounce back on the field? One of our analysts is taking the wait-and-see approach. The thing that makes me most sad about the lack of knowledge of Title IX is that they don't understand that history and the importance of realizing the shoulders on which they stand. That you had all these layers of incredible generations of women before you. This is why it matters to stand up for something and to fight for something because the ripple effect is it's the next generation and, and how you're helping them. And that's what these women were doing. Saquon Barkley is looking for a fresh start and a healthy season in his first year playing for new head coach Brian Dayball. He's entered the final year of his rookie deal and with OTAs coming to a close soon, he's feeling like himself again. A way more confident player uh, in college and early in my career than I was prior than last year. Uh, than last year. Um, and now I'm starting to get that back, starting to get that swagger back. And, um, you know, you can't, can't get too high on it because it's just minicamp right now. Uh, but all that, all the little stuff and gaining confidence in here and this break that we have, uh, hopefully catapults and pushes me uh, through camp and to the regular season and beyond, hopefully. Saquon has clearly not looked like the same player over his last two seasons as he was early in his career. It's not just the fact that he's played in nearly half as many games due to injury. It's his effectiveness on the field. His yards per rush and rushes per touchdown have taken a significant dip when compared to his first two years in the league. So much so that his yards per rush ranks last out of 65 players with at least 150 carries since 2020. Lewis, I know you love Saquon Barkley as a player, but do you trust his swagger translating onto the field? Yeah, Phil, you know what? That kind of stuff is going in one ear and out the other with me now. Mm. And look, I'm going to sound like an old head, like a guy who's going to be like the get off my lawn guy. Don't, you know, don't talk about it, be about it. But you know, in this case, I have, I have, I have no choice in this case, only because, look, nobody was riding harder for Saquon Barkley than me when he came out and he was drafted second overall. I thought this guy would change the position because of how he's put together. Because of the height, weight, speed combination, he was, I mean, he had it all. And he showed that in his rookie year. But as you just laid out right there in that graphic, it's been downhill from there. And some of it's been bad luck. It really has. Last year, for instance, right, he comes out. He's down in New Orleans in the midway point of the season last year. And he's ripping the Saints defense, man. He's ripping them, running the football, catching the ball out of the backfield. He looks like Marshall Falk. And I'm sitting there going, there he is. He's back. And then you know what? We have him on Monday night. We talked to him on the production meeting call. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, Saquon's going to have a breakout game tonight down here in Tampa against the Bucks. <laughs> he looked nothing like that. Right. And look, I'm not, say- it's not, it- I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm not saying it's not his desire to return to the form that he showed when he was a rookie. But until he does, I'm not getting out in front of this one, man. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wait and see this time. Fair enough. RC, do you think that Daniel Jones and Saquon are both playing for their jobs in New York this year? 
Well, I think that's the easy part, right? The the job part is the easy part. Daniel Jones is playing to show that he was ever worth the sixth overall pick, that he was ever worth even having the job. There hasn't been a year or there hasn't been a stretch where we've been, oh, yeah, that Daniel Jones, he finally has it. He's worth everything that they went up to get him for. We don't believe that yet. We've never seen that. And Saquon has to prove to us that he's still the dude Lewis Riddick thought he was, that he's still the dude we saw in year one who we thought was going to be this transcendent talent that was going to change the game from the position and they're not only playing for that on the New York Giants I believe they're playing for that for the entire league I believe all 32 teams have to look at these men and say are they worth the roster spot and a starting spot on my team Daniel Jones got to prove he was ever worth it and Saquon has to prove he's still worth it yeah feel the guys outlined it perfectly no one is safe in this regime, mm. in this, on this roster, because it's a new regime. Think about the head coaches. They're on their third head coach. Joe Shane, the GM, now has to fix the mess left by Dave Gettleman, the former GM. Mm. They have no ties to Daniel Jones. They didn't pick up his option. Saquon, we all thought generational talent. But as the guys talked about, the injury history. And it has been some bad luck. But teams only care about production. And unfortunately, neither Daniel Jones yep. or Saquon have produced enough for this year. This year is paramount for them. And if you're looking at this situation, Joe Shane, they had to get rid of James Bradbury, not because they wanted to, but because they're like, we need to clear cap space. And that's the situation that these two guys find themselves in. It will be really, really fascinating, especially if Saquon bounces back, because Mm -hmm. if he has a great year this year, then the Giants have to make a philosophical decision Mm -hmm. on how much is a starting running back worth? Because as we have seen, not all of those deals have aged particularly well. Still more to come here on NFL Live as up next, Cam Newton spoke on his time in New England in the Patriot way. But will that approach keep working if the Patriots don't have the same kind of success? Lewis thinks this season will give us that exact answer. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. NFL Live is brought to you by Marvel Studios' Ms. Marvel. Original series now streaming only on Disney+. The Eastern Conference Finals head back to Madison Square Garden for Game 5 tonight with the series tied at two games apiece. Our coverage of Lightning Rangers begins at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, right here on ESPN and ESPN+. 
All right, we're back on NFL Live with more read and react sound around the NFL. We go to Baltimore first, where head coach John Harbaugh weighed in on Lamar Jackson's contract situation. I expect him to hear mandatory minicamp. You know, he's, uh, uh, I, I know he's working hard. You know, Lamar Jackson's a hard worker, so I'm not worried about how hard he's working. Fully expect him to come back in great shape. You know, that's what he talks about, and uh, I'm sure he's throwing. I'm sure he's doing a good job, and when he gets back here, we'll, we'll be rolling with Lamar. You know, right now we roll with the guys we got, and when he gets here, he'll merge right in with everybody, and we'll go to work with Lamar. More on the work there than the contract with Kimberly. Any update on that contract with Lamar? Field, I wish I had an update. Yeah. You know what? Hell, the Ravens wish they had an update because you know what? They're essentially saying, hey, take this money, Lamar. Please, we want to give it to you. But from what I'm told, Lamar feels like I'm working hard off the field because I'm so confident we can win a Super Bowl. Once I do that, I, I, then we can talk money. There is no sense of urgency on his part. People around the league think if he is going to get paid, he should start asking for Deshaun Watson money. 230 guaranteed. I wouldn't be surprised by that. Let's go to Seattle where Drew Locke finds himself in a quarterback competition again. He reflected on how things went last year when he and Teddy Bridgewater duked it out for QB1 duties in Denver. I tried to, you know, compare the whole time. All right, did Teddy beat me that day or did I win that day? And overall, if you start thinking like that, it's just not good for your mental. It's not good for your process of becoming a better quarterback. It's not about who won that day. It's about, you know, did I get better today to make the guys around me better? Because if I'm playing at my best, the other 10 dudes around me are going to be playing really good football too. Um, so just not comparing. Comparison is a thief of joy is what Barry Odom told me one day when I was in college, and that's kind of stuck with me uh, to this point. Me and Gino are both, you know, very mature adults. You know, we both understand that we're both trying to be the starter for this team. Lewis, does this concern you at all with Locke and competition? Um, a little bit, but I don't think Drew is really the long-term answer for this franchise anyway. Mm. And I don't think Geno Smith is either. Otherwise, he would have proven it already since he's been out there. Look, I, I think we all know as former players, even if you haven't played, whenever you're in any kind of competitive situation, you're naturally going to compare. You're naturally going to judge yourself and measure yourself against the next guy. But I'll tell you this for Seattle. That organization is set up for another quarterback to come in there and assume the reins because they got bookend tackles, running backs, wide receivers. They're improving the defense. Things are going to get interesting in Seattle for sure. 2023 draft class. Finally, we go back to Cam Newton, who joined the Pivot Podcast. He's co-hosted, of course, by Ryan Clark. And Cam still believes that he can compete as a starter in the NFL. Take a listen. There's not 32 guys better than me. Still, you still feel the exact same. Cam. Oh, my soul. Cam. Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. At the end of the day, comparing apples to apples and oranges to oranges, certain situations for certain situations. And if you think that I couldn't be on somebody's team right now, you a damn fool. RC, is Cam still a top 32 quarterback? You know, that's such a nuanced thing. If you're asking, can Cam Newton on the day that he plays his best be a top 32 quarterback? Absolutely. But what if some of those quarterbacks are younger? What if some of those quarterbacks are rookie? We're looking at what they are going to be. Cam Newton is on the back end of his career. And because he's on the back end, all the rest of the things that come along with Cam, they also have to be weighed into who he is. I believe that he's one of the best 32 quarterbacks living, but it's up on an organization 
relatively, he's also worth what he comes with and the persona that precedes Cam into any locker room. All right, so for now, Cam remains unsigned, but just two years ago, around this time, he found himself in the same situation, and he eventually latched on with the Patriots in late June of 2020. He dove in on that experience with New England, which lasted one full season before he was released just prior to last year's regular season. This is this ain't no remorse. This ain't no, I want somebody to feel sorry for me. This is me acknowledging that I understand I'll own up to jumping up into some fucked up situations. The New England experience was a fucked up situation. I was still learning the offense seven to eight weeks into the season. I'm learning systems mentally, right? As a quarterback, it's not just can you catch, it's not just can you. You, you, you can disguise that. we all been around teams where it's like, ready, break. Hey, what, what I got? Right. As a quarterback, you have to look the part, act the part, and be the part. RC, what you take away from Cam's comments here about New England? You know what? It, it was different, right? It kind of brought you to the Patriot way and why a guy like Ocho Cinco couldn't really catch on in New England or get the playbook or understand what he was being asked to do. And it also makes you look at Cam and, and wonder what was it about the playbook? What was it about the adjustment that took you until the middle of the season to have to still learn, to have to still work, to be acclimated to what you needed to do from the quarterback position? And so I think it's somewhat on the New England Patriots and the the way that they bring their players along we have to remember that was the COVID year as well so you didn't quite have the offseason you needed leading into the season but it also puts the focus on Cam any situation he would come into this year would be a situation where he is there late be a situation like he spoke about on the show where he gets in on Thursday and he's starting the next week and so there's so much that goes into the thought of who the Patriots are and how you get acclimated to be a part of their system are they doing enough or did Cam not do his part, and I believe I was still left with that question even after the interview ended. Yeah, really fascinating interview, as always, on the pivot. Kim, let me ask you, is the New England experience, so to speak, still working in your opinion, or things did you change? You know, it's interesting that Cam was with New England because we talk about the Patriot way. It is just different. It's a different vibe, different expectation for a lot of these players, and some players feel so for years, guys would talk about feeling like their personalities were a little handcuffed and, and it's Bill's way. And I think what's interesting now is that these younger generations, Cam aside, these younger generations coming up, they're just different cats. Like these kids come into the NFL understanding that they are individuals, that there is life after football, that they can have football plus the life on top of it, NILs, everything, college kids coming in now. It's a different vibe, and I'm wondering if the Patriot way, I don't see a lot of other organizations operating that way, and I wonder if the Patriot way is, is, is going to be obsolete soon. Yeah, it, it's interesting now. Look, I had a taste of the Patriot way back in Cleveland. It was the Browns way then. It wasn't as successful as the Patriot way what has been over the past 20 years that Tom has been there. But look, I think, there's, I think there's two different things that we're talking about. You know, Ryan was talking about the Patriot way as far as, you know, just how tough it is to really assimilate yourself from an X and O yes. standpoint very quickly and just jump into the fire. I can tell you, it's hard as hell now. They put a lot of stress on you mentally. Mm. But what Kimberly's talking about is the culture and what does that mean? And is the Patriot way right. kind of going by the wayside? 
And see, and from in that regard, I look at it like this. Look, players are a lot different now. I remember Nick Saban talking about how players and their attitude towards, you know, that kind of hard line type of team building that New England has, like Alabama has. Players are different. They're not necessarily accepting it that way. Nick told a story about how he's changed his recruiting methodology, meaning he doesn't drive in the players, these young players, team, 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 my way, my way, my way. He takes a much different approach, more about, hey, look, this is what I can do for you. This is how I can help you individually. This is how I can maximize your earnings potential, whether it be in football or otherwise. And on the back end, he's hoping a football team comes together, mm. that these guys will buy into a team structure. New England's kind of the same way, right? Mm. The Patriot way used to be all about playing with Tom Brady and winning Super Bowls. You come here, you'll probably take less money. I'm probably going to cuss you out, even if you're a 15, 20-year vet. You're not going to get treated any better, yeah. but here's the one thing. You'll win. I don't know if players are down with that anymore. We'll see. Yeah, man, it, it, it's totally it's totally different now. We have players in college now getting deals with Bentley where you get a, few, a free Bentley, getting deals with Lamborghini where you get a Lamborghini for NIL deals. That's a different world. And not that making it to the league is all about money, but that was where you got your money. That was where the reward was. Now these kids are getting offered scholarships at the age of 12. They're being followed on Twitter by hundreds of thousands of people telling them how great they are their entire lives. And it's going to be very very difficult for them to acclimate to what the Patriot way used to be. And let's not forget this. The Patriot way started with Tom Brady. He took less. He worked harder than everybody. And you had to follow suit. He is no longer there. Let's see where it goes from here. We've got time for one more thing here on NFL Live. As we wrap up our Patriots conversation, down goes J.J. Watt, this man trying to sprint. Oh, my God. This is the first time since J.J. Watt has been in the NFL that he has done something that is not physically beyond most people's capabilities. I am just like J.J. Watt. He he looks like the rest of us. Finally, J.J. Watt looks like us, damn it. Time comes for us all, guys. Apparently, and sometimes you just got to pick up your feet and keep on moving. From our crew, we are back here at NFL Live. Let's dive across the finish line.